0: Oh, the Hornets! No. Everything that we do every day, we want to be a champion. Get your mind right and let's go. Do the little things. Win every day. So close they so far. Everything would have had too. I don't give a shit who we're playing. Young and empty. Play against them and make his ass quit. That's our trademark. That's our mo with the team Richardson breaks
1: free on the sideline. This is a mauling, folks. A mauling. Fear the tide, honey badger. Hi. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Alabama Football Podcast, powered by Bama Hammer. Tom, I guess this is why we love college football, right? Because uh, anything can happen.
0: Yeah, man. Anything can happen. This is uh, as I was driving home at five thirty in the morning on Sunday, doing an over and back to to watch that shit. It was, um, you know, it's a good thing we didn't record this show on Sunday morning at 6 a.m. because I will be a little more positive now than I would have been then.
1: Yeah. Um, Yeah, this kind of reminded me of the, I guess, the Cam Auburn game where uh, it just, everything that could go wrong did go wrong. And, you know, that's kind of, uh, that was kind of the story of this game. Why don't, uh, why don't we get started with offense and, um I mean, there was 503 yards of offense. I don't know where it all happened, but uh, tell me what stood out to you on offense.
0: Well, I think first and foremost was seeing Cooper Bateman come on the field uh, to start the game. Um, obviously, you've seen what I've seen that that he that he said that you know they had made that decision uh, due to catching old, you know trying to catch Ole Miss off guard. Um, I think it was. Um, I think they lost their identity at that point. Um, he didn't really address it at the press conference. Uh nobody really challenged him on it because they're scared of him in the press conferences. Um, but that was a poor decision. Um, I, I think to come out with a different type of you know, first couple scripted plays, um, that, that kind of got things started off on the wrong foot. Um, nothing against Cooper Bateman. Um, but I think you were you were trying to be gimmicky to start the game and gimmicky does not work.
1: No, and and I'm not altogether against starting Cooper. I think if you're going to do that, I mean, he went 11 for 14 and He had just a horrendous interception, but 11-4-14, so he wasn't – he was not bad necessarily, but if you're going to bring him in for pace and momentum and the athleticism that he brings, then, then use it. It seems like the first play from scrimmage, a naked boot would have really caught everyone off guard. If that's why you're bringing him in, then use it. But I'll tell you this, anytime we play a big opponent like this, and we've seen us do it against Auburn, we've seen us do it, you know, against Ole Miss, we've done it at times against LSU. And these big games, these big opponents, when we go straight to a gimmick play uh, or gimmicky kind of play, it's a long day. And a lot of times we'll still sort of net out the win, but – when we feel like we have to resort to gimmicks, it's not a it's not a fun day.
0: No, it's not. And what's funny about that is, you know, he tells his players. And don't get me wrong, I'm not I'm not mad at Sabin. I mean, yeah. you know, doing a podcast after a loss sucks. You know, we've only had to do it. You know, what six or eight times in our six year career?
1: Just a handful.
0: So that's, you know, that's a good thing. But, you know, I I think back to the national championship game in 2009 against Texas where we did a fake punt from, like, our 20-something yard line. Yep. And I remember thinking, why are we doing this? We're Alabama. Yep. And so, you know, I went back and looked at the run distribution of, of how we ran the ball. We only ran the ball in between the guards, like, 12 times out of all of our carries. Um, we didn't play Smash Mouth football. There was no traps. Uh, there was no pulling guards and tackles on sweet plays. Everything was gimmicky. Everything was just everything. Everything looked like West Coast offense, and and that's just not
1: Alabama. No, we tried to run to the edges against a fast defense, and uh, we gave away yards. That when we would run an end around or we would try to run to the edge, they would tackle us from behind. And we would lose yards that we willingly gave away. Whereas, if for all of those gimmick plays, if we would have just run, just right, you know, between the guards, uh, we we would have netted out better. Uh, we've talked about Derrick Henry not being a real physical runner, and so that may be part of the reason we're doing it. Maybe when Bo Scarborough comes back, uh, or, or you know, makes his debut, really. Um, he will bring he'll bring some physicality but i reached a point in the game and 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 i you know i mentioned it during the game and i'm not sure what kind of reaction you you had but i'll say it again here and and uh, and, and kind of see what you what you have to think after some time but and i'm almost in favor of let's just do like a fullback dive or something with a nice wander or something because he will lower his head and and he will run behind his pads and i know he's not as gifted athletically is, is a Henry, but Henry's not using his talents in that way, and and we need a bruiser that uh, that can clear a hole. No, we do, and and we talked about this last week
0: when we said that you know, or I made the comment that I think Derrick Henry needs twenty carries uh, to get warmed up, and so you know, Alabama football has been, you know, the starting tailback gets twenty carries, and the backup uh, guys gotten ten or eleven carries for you know a long time now. And maybe Derrick Henry is that guy that just needs more carries because he didn't have his big 30-something-yard carry until like carry 20 or 21. Right. And I just think he needs something to get going. But to your point, we play a middle Tennessee state and we bring in Dakota ball with O.J. Howard and Michael Nicewinder, and we line up in a three-tight-end look, right, and we just drive the ball down their throat. Because it's Ole Miss, we're scared to bring Nicewinder and Dakota Ball off the bench. I mean, I'm sure Dakota Ball came in a couple times, but we did not line up in the power formation. We are just going to knock you off the ball. And no offense to their star player number five, as Saban calls him, they do not have the same front seven that we do. We have a much more formidable front line than they do, sure. and we should have lined up and controlled – the line of scrimmage, as Saban said uh yesterday or today, we need to control the line of scrimmage and pop you in the mouth. Yep. So I guess that's a long-ended answer to say, yes. If you can't run up the middle with Henry, then bring in Nice Winder or somebody that'll do it.
1: Yeah. Someone someone and it's not that we can't with Henry. It's just I don't think that's what Henry wants to do. And so uh, you know, let's bring in someone that'll that'll do it because I think that, you know, and you made the point during the game that they they were rushing four all night long and playing seven back. And they were able to play seven back because when we were run to the edge, they were quick enough to close to it. But if we would have consistently pounded the middle, pounded the middle, and it would have looked like a Gene Stallings games, uh, game where, man, this is just not inventive, but it's wearing them down. It's wearing them down. It's forcing more guys into the box. Now they don't have seven in the back, and they're picking everything off left and right they're sucking up the the box, that makes the play-action go. And so it's just so aggravating that we change the quarterback to try to give another dynamic. We don't actually try to leverage that dynamic. We fall behind early, also of our own doing, and then we have to try to make it up, you know, passing the ball 40 times or 50 times. And it's not Alabama football, like you've said, and it just reeks of us not having – a a plan that we're confident in because we're so, we're so quick to dump the plan. And I've never felt this in, you know, three games in, I've never, it's well, not under Saban and not, not even really under Shula. Did I feel three, three games into the season that we absolutely had zero personality uh, on offense. Uh, I've not felt this, you know, this, you know, Disconcerted about our offense, and I don't know how long.
0: Well, what's really interesting about that statement is, you know, and I understand that the onside kick, which we technically could have not gotten uh, based on going back and watching the game and listening to the, you know, to the referee they had commentating. Granted, that gave us a couple offensive, extra offensive plays, you know, to add to our stat sheet, but I can't remember. I remember a couple years ago when LSU uh, had uh, – or excuse me, LSU, when, when we lost to, to Johnny Manziel his freshman season, we talked about how LSU the week before had had 88 plays. Yep. And that was an overtime game. Yep. Okay. When I went back and looked at this stat sheet and saw that we had 100 offensive plays on the dot and that we averaged five yards a play, I'm sorry. First of all, I'd have to go back and look at each and every stat sheet, you know, going back, which we can, to try to find when this last happened. But I can't recall in the six years we've been doing this show, much less longer, if we've ever ran 100 offensive plays in a regulation football game, much less averaging five yards a play and still lose a ball game.
1: No, no. I. It's, it's a very bizarro game in that way because – uh, you know, if you go back and look at, you know, they had what was it, twenty-one points, uh, or was it twenty points or seventeen points at half? Uh, I think it was two touchdowns and a field goal, so they had seventeen at half, and they punted every possession that didn't start in on our side of the field. And the longest uh, field that they had on uh, for a scoring drive was at our twenty-six. And so, you know, we can talk about special teams, but uh, um, this, this is a game that is, is, I don't know, very bizarro. It's a game that, you know, you'd easily could have seen, you know, just another. You know, if we just would have fielded that first kickoff, it just I just wonder if the whole, person, the whole complexion of the game would have been different.
0: Well, I don't know if it was the Ole Miss game, but I think it was. But I remember back to Mark Ingram's Heisman Trophy campaign. And the defining moment for his Heisman campaign was a game at Alabama. I thought it was Ole Miss. I
1: think that was Ole Miss, yeah. Yeah. And he came in in the Wildcat and led that drive, yeah. Yeah. So,
0: So he came in into the Wildcat, to your point about it's not sexy, and he must have lined up in the Wildcat and ran the ball, you know, 9, 10, 11 plays of a 12, 13-yard drive, 13-play drive. Yep. And we drove down the field and we just punched him in the mouth till they started bleeding. And to your point, you know, they knew it was coming, but they couldn't stop it. And so Nick Saban said, you know, earlier in the press conference today, he talked about how, you know, they just didn't have success running wide. And I'm thinking, well, why in the hell did you attempt 30 of your 42 carries wide? Right. You know, why? Why? I mean, I'm sorry. This is what they do for a living. They get paid millions of dollars to do this. And people are going to listen to this and say, oh, you guys sound like y'all think you're know-it-alls. Well, you know what? <laughs> We're not coaches, but we've watched football a long time. And if the strength of my team is a 250-pound uh, running back who has shown he can lift – um uh monster truck tires during the off season and i've got somebody that can block in front of him
1: i'm not running to the edges no not when the speed not when they're uh, a speed defense they're taking away the edges they've got they're you know they're playing back 7 it's a four man line i mean you know that's a recipe to run the ball right i mean they're inviting you almost to run 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 up the middle and uh you know <laughs> Historically, we've, we've taken advantage of that invitation when it's not offered. We certain, certainly should take advantage of it when it is.
0: Oh, absolutely. And, and I will just say that while we got behind in this game, I don't think that we can make the argument that we had to ditch the running game. I mean, like, you know, you'll have situations where you're in catch-up mode, right? And you can no longer, you know, run the ball. You just don't have time to run the ball. Well, I would disagree in this game because Ole Miss is a hurry-up offense. And so not only was it crazy land that we had 100 plays, but they finished the game with 24 minutes time of possession. Yes, I said that, 24 minutes time of possession. So when you look at this, in the first quarter they had the ball five minutes, we had it ten. Second quarter, they had the ball five minutes and 20 seconds. We had it nine minutes and 40 seconds. So, so we're sitting here at the end of the first half, and we've had the ball for 20 out of 30 minutes. I don't understand why we didn't just come out in the second half and say, yes, we've had some turnovers. Yes, we're down 17-3, to three, but you've already been on the field defense for 20 minutes, and we're about to wear your butt out and win the yeah. ball
1: game. We're going to make you pay
0: for that. I don't understand why we didn't play for the twenty seventeen ball game
1: yeah and and there were times during the game you know even in the in the third late third quarter and fourth quarter when we were mountain comebacks, and we did run the ball that's what's interesting is is in those times where you you could make even the better argument that we don't have time for you know a six minute drive here, we were running the ball, and we were having some success. Uh, in those, in, in those moments and you think, well, why don't you kind of, you know, to your point, there was time to run the ball earlier. There was, you know, even when we were down by 10, uh, I didn't feel like that, you know, I didn't feel like that that was insurmountable, especially that, that, uh, early in the game, because, you know, it looked like we were going to try to have some success. Our defense was, was playing well, um, you know there again i just think i just think we got uh we got nervous we had uh we were all excited about some trick plays not a darn one of them worked uh like we said when you do trick plays it's not a good day for us and this this day kind of went went that way hey talk to talk to us about uh and, and you made kind of a keen observation during during the game about our wide receivers and who we ran at wide receivers and then when foster uh, went out. You were making some observation about the personnel groupings. Talk to us about that.
0: You know, I'm just, I'm really wondering where Chris Black is. I mean, I know we talked about that special teams play before, um, but you and I were sitting there with binoculars checking out the sideline and, you know, um, seeing who was where and who was lined up behind the, the, uh, Lane Kiffin to, you know, who's got their helmet on, buckled up, ready to go. And Chris Black was ready to go, but, he didn't come in the game. I, I'm sure he might have played a, a play or two, um, but he really didn't come in. Calvin Ridley, you know, immediately got the bulk of Robert Foster's uh, uh, opportunities when he went down. I don't remember seeing the Dayline Charlotte uh, Charlotte kid. Um, I, it, it became the Mulaney or Darius Stewart. O.J. Howard, we're going to split you out because we have no – okay, let me back up it became we're going to manufacture four and five wides with running back and tight ends. And so if they went to four wide, they split out O.J. Howard. If they did a five wide, which they very rarely did, which is funny because, once again, Ole Miss only had four guys in the box, it became the Kenyon Drake out wide with O.J. Howard and Mullaney and Ardarius Stewart and uh, and Calvin Ridley. And so – you know, you see articles in the press today about, okay, Robert Foster's, you know, gone for the year, or they said that yesterday, and I'm sorry, Robert, to hear that. yeah, and and they talked about, you know, Raheem Falcons is coming back from his surgery in the off season. And they talked about Cam Sims is, you know, still coming back and and how thin they are. And they were saying in the article that they have six scholarship, you know, wide receivers. And I'm thinking, well, why didn't we see them? i mean, to to your point, what I think you're referring to is, We sat there and they dropped seven into coverage. And a lot of times we sent four guys out into the play, three or four, right? One being a tight end. And so I can't tell you how many times I said something to you about Mulaney catching the ball or trying to catch the ball. And he had two or three guys within two yards of him. Yeah. They were, they were blanketing the two or three wide receivers. And we just, and we we still attempted 55 passes. Yeah. How do you do that?
1: Yeah, if they've got six or seven in coverage, and we're we're sending out three or four, I mean they've got coverage to either you know man to man sort of bracket everyone or play a very thick zone, and uh, and so you know we were hitting some some pretty precision passes. I mean in that respect, they were, they were kind of in, impressive because we were throwing into double and triple uh, coverage or or sort of tight bracketing, but you know I. I don't know. Um, I, it's a it's sort of a mystery for me on on the Chris Black. I don't have an answer for that. I cannot specifically recall seeing him in the game. And there, you know, and we got to a point where we were kind of watching because you know you kept saying it's the same guys, it's the same guys. We're doing kind of the same thing. And uh, started to look for him a little more closely. And I never saw I never saw him. You know, in in Saban's press conference today, he talked about you know, we're going to have to get some of the younger guys ready at wide receiver. And he did not make mention of, of, uh, of black. And you think, well, you know, I know he's, he's a junior. Right. And so he should know the system, right. He should be the easy sort of, all right, now is your chance. Uh, Right. I mean, he should be, it should be an easy decision. Right. Um, I don't know, but, but, but Charlotte, uh, you know, in camp, he seemed to, you know, he was really impressive in some of the camp. And so, you know, maybe he gets an opportunity. Derek Keefe, you know, I don't know. Um it it's it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting, I guess, to to see what happens um in that regard. I do hate that Robert Foster's out because he was really coming on uh and and he was gonna be kind of a steady guy for us and and uh you know I think he had ten catches on the season and so he was on pace to to really have um you know not a all conference kind of breakout season, but relative to what he's been doing, he was gonna make a significant stride this year. And so I really feel bad for uh uh for him and his injury. But we've got to, we've got to figure out our rotation and our depth because we it just seemed it just seemed that it wasn't there on Saturday.
0: But what do you what do you, I mean, you know, going back to the Chris Black thing, right? I mean Richard Mullaney is a late addition to this squad in the off season. And Chris Black was going to be that other starter. And, you know, now Mulaney had gotten started in the H, you know, he he got slotted in the H uh, receiver position in front of Chris Black. And so as you look at these receivers, and we talked about all the depth that we thought we were going to bring in, right, Or, or that we were going to have to offer, the one thing that really stands out to me is the lack of seniority in the position. And so what I mean by that is is that, you know, Chris Black is a junior. He is the only junior in the top eight wide receivers. Richard Mullaney is a senior, fifth year senior, but it's his first year in the program. And so Robert Foster, sophomore, our Darius Stewart sophomore, Cam Sims sophomore, Calvin Ridley, freshman. I mean, my point is Richard Mullaney is becoming the security blanket Okay. Um he's becoming the security blanket on third downs, and that's why they started putting three guys on him on third downs because that's where Cobra kept throwing the ball. Sure. But surely this is not just because of the special teams play. Because the special teams play, granted, why did you do it? Okay. This this but-
1: This, This, yeah, this is what else
0: can it be, man? I mean, is it, is it, is it? I mean, it can't be his injury in, in, in summer, right? I mean, what, what, what could possibly be this? Because you need the guy who, technically, you could say right now has more seniority in the program than any other wide receiver you have.
1: Yeah, I, I'm not going to have a clean answer on that. If, if there, if there's something lingering with the injury, um, but I don't. I don't think that's it. That is, or why would he be back there, kind of returning kicks and punts? Right. Um, it, I. I don't know. I think is he in a doghouse? Does he not know the playbook? Um. And 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 to start to wonder about these kinds of things.
0: Yeah, and I just I just was curious your thoughts, and and going back to the to the Michael Nice wonder thing real quick. You know. We we do have Brandon Green, which has played some tight end, right? And and he can give you some beef. And so once again, being creative, right? You know, why why do you give Dakota ball all this run in a two tight end and three tight end look against a middle Tennessee state, but you don't show that look at all against Ole Miss? Why don't you show that power formation at all?
1: Yeah, I don't know. I because I know that Ole Miss is a tough defense and, you know, they may be the toughest defense we play all season. And so we seem to translate that into we can't, we can't sort of bow up against them. We have to try to outrun them to the edges. They're, they're too oh they're too good, and they're too big and powerful. We can't, you know, front them. And that's exactly what we should have done. That is exactly what we should have
0: done because like an, you know, an Alphonse Taylor as an example, right? A brand new starter, right? He started some last year, but he still hasn't started a complete year at Alabama, right? You line him up in front of number five. And where is he going to succeed more? Busting him in the mouth and grabbing a hold of his jersey and doing an illegal hold that they all do now and driving him forward five yards or trying to see who can get to the edge first.
1: Right. And and yeah, put a Dakota ball, put a Brandon Green back out as as sort of a tackle with uh with um with Dom and, and Shank and you know, say, hey guys, we're running to the right. That's what we're gonna do. It's it's you know, it's like we did against Georgia in, you know, in the in the SEC championship game. Everyone knew that we were running to the right. You just couldn't stop it. Yeah, and that's what we needed. And and of course, you know, Lacey's a more physical runner and all of it sort of becomes a circular discussion. But, you know, I think we could, you know, kind of grab Henry by the face mask and say, you're going to be a bruiser today, boy, because that's what we need.
0: Well, you and I have a good friend of ours who talks about something clenching. And it's almost like we, we set them up for failure before the game ever started. Because if you think you're a running power team, see, here's the other thing that running the ball up the middle successfully is huge for the play action. It's huge for the screen game. Sure. And if you've got a team who is only rushing four guys and dropping seven, you you're. I mean, I, I said this last week, our play action is pathetic. There is no play action look at all. If I was a middle linebacker, I could tell when he was really handing off and really not. He doesn't even go over to the running back when, the, when, it, when he does the play action. And so, what has been, you know, what was Greg McElroy's best friend? What was John Parker Wilson's best friend? The play action pass, yes. because it just freezes those players for a minute, right? And so, to your point about the dropping seven guys, it was like, I mean, I guess I should go back and say, Jacob Coker, congratulations on your accuracy when you did, you know, complete the pass. Because, you know, people today were talking about, well, he should have had two more interceptions. Well, damn, David, I kinda of think on I kind of think about seven on seven drills. And back to your point, if you're only sending three guys into the pass pattern with seven guys covering, I'm surprised he didn't throw six
1: interceptions. Sure. Yeah, I mean, and and it's almost cliche, right? Everything sets up off the run. And so we were trying to run play action when we didn't have a run. Uh we're trying to we're trying to you know, screens and and to the edge and, and attack the edges, when we haven't set we haven't established the middle, and so it's a you know you you have to give a hats off to the Ole Miss uh, you know coaching staff. They said, look, you know they're not a physical running team up the middle, so they're not gonna you know they're not gonna have that kind of success, and they're not gonna challenge us and try to have that kind of success. So what? It's almost like we're it's almost like we're kind of a fake offense, right? It's it's the illusion of us being a power running team that allows everything to kind of set up. And Ole Miss said, well, they're not really a power team, so let's just take away everything that they're going to try to set up off the power, and they're not going to run power. And so what are they going to do next? They're going to throw the ball 40, 50 times.
0: Well, and what's crazy about that is they attempted 58 passes on the day, but Jacob Coker had seven scrambles, right? Yeah. that's seven times he really dropped back. Yeah. It wasn't a design run. So that's another stat for you, right? Besides the hundred plays on offense, when's the last time that we could say that 65% of the plays was a pass design?
1: Yeah. I that's mean, crazy. We've had multiple games where that hasn't been the case.
0: So let me <laughs> let me ask you real quick about the interception at the end of the game because I'm I'm not gonna, I don't think it was a check play. Jacob Coker had a nice scramble. He manufactured a play. We get to the 35, 40-yard line. There's three minutes left in the game. You know, this is the main thing I was thinking about at 3.30 in the morning driving down Interstate 20. I'm like, with all the crap that happened, we still had a chance to come back and win this game. You got three minutes left, and you're at the 40-yard line. And we drop back for a pass. So before – because I went back and watched that play. I couldn't stomach the whole game because it would make me throw up. So I only watched like five or six plays that I wanted to see. But on that play, why do you think we go for all the marbles when you're down by six with a team that can score fast potentially on the other side and you got a full three minutes left and you got three timeouts?
1: Yeah. At some point you think, yeah, you take a shot, but – with the time left and the success that we've had, you know, maybe we were just trying to double down, but I think, I think you run, I think you'd be a little more methodical and you say, guys, we've had a lot of, a lot of success, you know, keeping Slow them off down. balance. <laughs> what, yeah. You know, we've, we've had some success, you know, keeping them off balance. Let's just continue to uh, there's time. Uh, and so let's just continue to do that. And, you know, of course we didn't,
0: well, I just, I don't under, because, so I went back and watched the the replay, and not the live play, but the next play where the camera was behind Jacob Coker, so you could see what Jacob Coker was seeing. And our Darius Stewart, okay, he goes to make a, a basically, kind of a, a, a stop and go, and then He literally was going to probably just do a hook. He would just probably do a button hook. And he was just going to do like a 15, 16-yard hook. And and O.J. Howard had done one at like nine yards. Well, our Darius Stewart sees the safety over the top come bite on O.J. Howard. And he just, I think instinct, I don't think it was a design. He just says, okay, I've only got the corner to beat. I can outrun him. And so from Jacob Coker's lens, from behind Coker, it looked like he saw, oh, my gosh, our, our Darius is going for it all. And so I'm just going to guess his eyes got real big, and he was like, wait a minute. Oh, he's doing that? Okay, well, then I got to do this. And so as you look at the defensive line on the, on the Russian four, um, uh, number five and his defensive end counterpart uh, basically does a does a crisscross. And uh, number five goes outside, and Dominic Jackson picks him up. But Alfonso Taylor unfortunately goes with him, and the defensive end for Ole Miss comes inside. Alfonso doesn't help at all. He basically comes into Ryan Kelly. He whoops rel- Ryan Kelly and just basically puts him on skates. And he puts his stump. He puts his helmet right in Jacob Coker's abdomen. He tackles like you and I want players to tackle, and Jacob Coker didn't even see him coming. And so when he threw that ball, and it was like he had been punched with a fist in his stomach, that ball suddenly didn't go as far. Right, and that's why that ball got picked. And so I went back and looked at that replay, and I was like, "Son of a gun!" Because the 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 Gary Danielson even has the nerve to say that it's the first time they called the defensive end's name the entire game on TV. Right. First play he's made all game. But literally, rushing four, they do a cross. Alfonso whiffs two guys. is just kind of helping Dominic Jackson. He really doesn't need help. And Ryan Kelly one-on-one just gets beat.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's a good find, right, because it's easy to kind of blame that one. You know, it's easy to blame a pick on a quarterback, but, uh, you know, that's not always the case. And, um, you know, if and buts, right? I mean, you know, you don't know if that pass is going to connect, but, uh, you know, certainly if he doesn't get walloped, it's not picked, and so we get to line up and play another play. I'm going to ask you the hardest question that we're going to have on the podcast. Uh, Who's your offensive mini game ball?
0: Yeah, that is a hard question. Yeah, that's a that's a real hard question. I, I think um I think it has to be Mulaney. Um I think Mullaney finished with seven catches. I don't know how many targets he had. I don't know how many difficult behind your neck, behind your head, turn your body where it's not supposed to be turned and try to catch the ball. because um, he could have had twelve catches on the day. Um I, I think he is becoming our our go to guy. Uh, our security blanket, and all teams know it. And um, and so I think he left it on the field the most for the offensive side of the ball.
1: Yeah, I agree. I was going to go with uh, with uh, Mulaney as well. Uh, you know, he played with a lot of heart. He did drop some balls. But uh, when he scored that touchdown, I think he just, uh, you know, he went into his own version of beast mode and, and said, you know, by gosh, I'm getting in this damn end zone and uh and he just seemed to sell out on that play, and uh you know you gotta respect a player when he does that kinda um you know in that situation he he scored and uh, certainly kept us alive and um you know hats off to hats off to his spirit to play
0: no absolutely we' we'll, we'll uh, flip the field for defense um I went back and watched the the uh the big plays on that side of the ball and and can give you my thoughts in a minute but what what jumped out at you on 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 defense
1: this will sound funny um but what stood out to me on defense is how well we played um i think the stat that they showed on the scoreboard at halftime uh is you know almost even though they were leading they had uh it, i think they had you know 85 yards at half um and with all the short fields that they had, um, you know, we had we had held them. Uh, they punted quite a number of times in the first half. Now, things went a little bit awry in the second half. And uh, if you take out nearly the 180 yards they had on the two little fluky plays, uh, that really eats into, you know, the 433 total yards that they had. And you can't – I get you can't take those plays away, but, but – and, and those were – breakdowns on those plays, and Saban was very clear about that in his in his presser today, but on the whole, I thought the defense played well. I think they're growing and evolving, and, uh, I mean, this is a painful game. I think the defense is going to get better as a result of this. I still don't know what the offense is going to do, but, but uh, on, you know, on a whole, I was generally impressed with how the defense played.
0: Well, I think going back, uh, I, I think I would agree – uh, to a point, uh, going back and, and looking, you know, there, there's there been many games that we've talked about. The formula for winning the game is rushing for five yards a carry and holding your opponent to two and a half. Yep. And we've said that many times in our 70-something shows. Well, they finished with 2.9 yards per carry to our 5.1. So, you know, pretty good job there. Um, and then when you go back and look to your point about, you know, what what the what the defense was what situations they were put in. You know, I mean, we they we they started off, you know, once they had to they had to let Ole Miss start on the twenty six. And they had to, I'm sorry, first they started on the seventeen. Then in the second quarter they got to start on Alabama's twenty six and then Alabama's eighteen. So in the first half, to your point, they they literally started three times inside our 26-yard line. Yep. And then in the second half they got to start on our 31 and they got to start on our 31. So I don't know if I remember a game where another team got to start five times inside our 31-yard line.
1: Right. Right. And and you start, you know, flipping the field back the other way and it's a different game because I you know it's hard it's dispiriting for the defense to be pushed up against the wall in in that regard in that way um five times right yeah, i mean
0: yeah. you go to alabama's chart real quick and by the way we started once on their 46 yard line and we started once on their 30 yard line so to put that in perspective it's a it's a little it's a little different of a of a ball game i think our average starting field position yeah average starting field position for us um in the first quarter was our nineteen yard line and the second quarter our 20 yard line
1: yeah we definitely got pushed back and we started inside the the ten it seemed like at least at least once maybe twice um, yeah we we certainly we certainly didn't bode well in the battle uh, of uh, of field position anything else on defense what what else on defense stands out at you yeah just real
0: quick, i want to mention that the uh the play uh, on the fumble that Reggie Ragland, you know, returned for what we thought was a key momentum touchdown. Um, You know, I think due to interpretation, you could go either way. Um, But looking back at the video, I can see why they called it incomplete. And I'm not going to blame him, but just to give you the kind of details that we give on the show, DJ Petway – was blitzing, or excuse me, was rushing on that end, on the left end. The left tackle uh, went down and 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 blocked down, gave DJ Petway a plain look at the quarterback. And DJ Petway started running toward the quarterback. Well then the quarterback Chad Kelly proceeds to do a pump fake. He doesn't know DJ's coming to his blind side, but he's doing a pump fake. And when he does a pump fake, DJ Petway pauses. Because, you know, in this day and age, once the quarterback's released the ball, you can't hit him, right? So he pauses for a second. It's like, damn, why did the quarterback do a fake pump? Because if he had not done a pump fake, David, D.J. Pedway would have killed the quarterback, and he would have fumbled the old-fashioned way. But but instead, he did a pump fake. D.J. Pedway pulls back. Then he sees that he's going to keep going. So then he starts again. And this is a lesson to all the defensive ends. When he goes to sack him, he bear hugs his arms around his shoulder pads instead of taking his hand and and hitting the ball out of his throwing hand. He did not hit the ball. He just tackled the guy's shoulders. And so the guy, to his credit, I don't know if it was muscle memory. It didn't look like instinctively he knew he was doing it. But even after DJ Petway is laying on him, as he's going down, he just flicks that wrist and just turns that wrist and does a throw in motion. And that's why the the head referee called it like he did. Mm. Had he literally just gone in, I mean, it'd be like me walking up behind you and you holding the ball to throw it. You don't know I'm there. All I had to do was hit the football with my hand. Sure. It would have been a fumble. But he literally just tackled the player and the player was smart enough to just flip his wrist and therefore it was the right call. And uh, as much as I, it pains me to say that, I think it was the right call.
1: I know you were calling for the review on that one and, and it, it appeared that there was not one. And so I'm glad you had a chance to go back and, and look at it. That's that's sort of a, an, an interesting uh, uh breakdown. You got something else on defense or you want to hit uh mini game ball?
0: No, the only thing I the only other thing I want to mention very quickly is I don't think that uh I guess two quick things. Number one, I don't think that um I don't think Gino had a great game.
1: No, no. Uh, I think
0: Eddie Jackson uh, is the quarterback of the defense. He was being aggressive. Um, Gino did not look like he was bringing anything aggressive to the table. Uh, Gino looked like he was going through the motions. Uh, to be quite, to be quite frank with you, um, and then I will also say I don't think we put enough pressure on a brand new Ole Miss quarterback. Okay, um, just like we talked about them dropping seven. We stayed, we, we stayed in the 5-DB in the look the entire game pretty much. But to your point, you commented one time we blitzed the cornerback and we got burnt, right? Well, that's the only time I think we did it. There was there, It just didn't seem like we brought a lot of pressure and we didn't, we didn't try to make him make quick decisions. I don't know if we were scared about their quality of their wide receivers or what, but we really didn't sell all out very much, it didn't seem like to me.
1: Not all out. I mean, we. I think we got after him from the line. I didn't see a lot of corner or, you know, equivalent safety blitzes. You know, I know we sent Cy once, and then, you know, we threw right over his head. And I know Minka was back there, but, but uh, you know, the pass was was completed. Um, but, yeah, you know, you take a quarterback like that, we probably could have gotten after him. um a little bit and and I agree on uh Gino. I He seemed- I'm not I'm not I know I know you're a fan of Ginos. I'm yeah. we to call
0: it straight on this show and I just didn't see the effort there.
1: No, he seems to have regressed. Uh and I hate to say that because he has been such a, a favorite of mine, but um uh, uh you know what I saw was was a little lackluster. Give me a mini game ball on defense.
0: All right, you know uh I I I think mini game ball on defense is going to have to go to to Jaron Reed. Um, I, I hate to give him again, but I just think that he is bringing a different motor um, out there than some of the other guys. And uh, he made a few key plays on short yardage plays where they didn't get first downs. Um, I don't know where he finished on the stat line sheet, um, but I think, uh, uh, I think he really uh, played very well in the middle. And um he's the he him and him and Eddie Jackson are the two guys that stood out to me on the defensive side of the ball.
1: Yeah, and I'm going the other way. I'm I'm going Eddie Jackson. Uh I think that, that he he did stand out. He did play well. Uh I know there was at least one time where uh he was barreling down on a receiver that was otherwise open uh and about to catch a ball, and that receiver just did a little alligator arms. He he wanted no part of of putting himself out there to to get hit. I think Eddie's playing, uh, like you said, kind of quarterbacking the defense. Uh, He's playing with a little bit of aggression uh, and some physicality back there. Uh, I think as he becomes, and we talked about this last year with players like Nick Perry and uh, some other guys, that they got more and more comfortable on the field. And I think as we see Eddie become more and more comfortable on the field, uh, you know, he's going to be quite a player. I think he has a chance to be, you know, this year or next year, an all-conference performer uh, at, at a safety position. I think, I would, that, I go think he's got that kind of upside. I, I
0: would agree with you. Um, he looks very comfortable for only three games in. Yep. I, I will tell you that I, I think there's a Kevin Jackson possibility.
1: Ah, nice. Uh,
0: in him. Let me say two other very quick things. We'd be remiss to our buddy Eric next to us if we didn't comment on the DBs not turning uh, to the ball. Um, You know, they didn't have a lot of big, uh, long pass plays, but that touchdown at the end of the game that Cyrus gave up, I'm not saying he didn't try, okay, but several times in this game our DBs just looked for the signals and looked at the receiver and didn't turn back to the ball. I don't know why it drives me crazy like it does you with the kickoffs. I don't understand why we don't turn back to the ball. Yeah, it just, it just, I, it just, it dumbfounds me. And and let me also quickly mention that on the other big gimmick play that they got, um, looking back because that was one of the ones I could stomach. um, uh, Minka Fitzpatrick goes back to try to help um, Cyrus Jones, who he thinks is out of position. Cyrus Jones, to his credit, was going to knock the ball away and Minka Fitzpatrick, in his haste to try to get back to the receiver, that ball hit the back of his helmet. And that's how it went up so nice and high over their heads um, to the waiting arms of the other Ole Miss receiver to score a touchdown. Yep. So Nick Saban said in the press conference, he said, well, if the, DB, if the other DB would have been covering his man, then, that, then he wouldn't have caught the ricochet." So it makes me think Cyrus Jones was supposed to be covering the guy who scored the touchdown, and it was Minka's guy who, who Cyrus went to help. Yep. And so Minka was trying to recover, and the ball hit his damn helmet. And so that goes back to your crazy, you know, how does this happen in a football game type of thing.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, give, me, uh, give me something on special teams.
0: Man, the the easiest thing to give you is the uh, the 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 two fumbles uh, that we did. Uh, our Darius Stewart going back and looking at that play, he he just he takes a real bad angle to try to avoid contact and is just not protecting the ball. He's just all turned sideways and and he's leaving his body open in a real bad position, which you know I think just made him susceptible to fumble. And um, I look back at the other fumble of Kenyon Drake on that play. Uh, Mari Smith is, is flying in front of his feet. Michael Nusswander gets his helmet knocked off. And, and uh, literally Kenyon Drake is, is, is looking down at the helmet, trying to jump over the helmet so he doesn't like, you know, tear up a knee landing on the helmet. And the guy just puts his helmet right on the ball. Kenyon Drake is protecting the ball. He's holding it tight. But that guy put, could not have put his helmet better on the football to knock it loose. But all that was going on when Drake had his fumble.
1: You know, for the last three years at least, maybe four years, I've been the grumpy old man on the kickoff returns. And I hate that, that I, I get to be proven so right. Um, I mean, they give it to, you know, the best deal in sports, in all of athletics, the best deal in sports is they will give you the ball, possession of the ball on the 25. And so when you run it out of the end zone, you have to gain 25 yards to get what they'll give you. And you jeopardize, and I know, well, it never happens. No, it happened twice, and it cost us the game uh, in in many regards, I believe. Uh, We lost possession of the ball twice on kickoff returns. In both instances, that that ball would have just landed and rolled out of the back of the end zone. And we would have been better off not having a kickoff returner than – trying to do something silly. And 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 when we rotated guys out, Cyrus, we put him back there and he looked downfield and he this was in the end zone. He looked downfield and he dropped the ball. And fortunately he just was able to just fall right on it right there in the end zone. But he was but,
0: also what halfway back of the end zone and he was even contemplating taking it out. Yeah. It's like it's like it's like they they can't they can't help themselves, right? And so, to your point, there were several times that the ball was fielded on the goal line. I bet you we see more and more teams keep kicking the ball right there, okay, because they're like, they're going to keep bringing it out. So we're going to kick her go over there during practice today, and your job is to kick the ball between the one-yard line and the goal line every single time on kickoffs.
1: I'd say kick it inside the five. You put it inside the five, that team going to – that team is demonstrated – that they're not smart enough to let it bounce. They're not the old cliche, you know, in high school they said, you know, plant your feet on the ten and if it's over your head you let it go. And so, I don't know, maybe it's the 8 or maybe it's the 5 or whatever that whatever the specific coach wants the metric to be. It's not, you know, stand 3 years yards in the end zone and catch it and run out. I mean, that's presumably no one coaches that, but maybe we are. Um but you stand call at the eight and if it's over your head you let it go and i mean again the grumpy old man i hate to be right on this one but damn how obvious was that that it, we should we had no business running those balls out
0: but at what point does it come back to the special teams coach i mean at what point right does this have to fall back on the special teams coach well that's a I know story. that's a whole nother show, but just your gut reaction. At what point does it have to fall back to that? I mean, come on, really? I mean, you can only take so much.
1: You know, there's a long history with with Saban and uh, and uh, you know Coach Williams, and I I don't know. I I don't know. It's you you have to. If it's just all things are equal, then you think we've got we've got to get someone in here that that's going to coach that up a little bit better and that's true of the tight ends too i believe and so tight ends and special teams you think um there's there's better coaches out there i I don't think anyone necessarily would would disagree with that now what he brings to the program in other capacities um i don't know what they are and i wouldn't want to speculate but uh uh we're not seeing it certainly on special teams and that's just that's just i mean no, I understand,
0: man. And and as I sit here and look through this, as you're as you're giving me your comments, we returned the ball one time past the twenty-five to the thirty-one yard line. So for all our efforts, we got to the th- we got six yards past what they would give you one time. Yeah. Well, man, this is uh, I I definitely uh, don't enjoy doing shows after this, um, and uh, look forward to some redemption next week. Ah, uh, give me your quick thoughts. You and I sat in Dallas, Texas, and watched a Georgia team struggle against this team before they before they finished them fifty-one to fourteen. Um, you know, obviously, uh, obviously, we were off a little bit on on half of our score last week. What do you What do you think happens with Louisiana Monroe?
1: I think it's a uh, forty-two to ten, something like that.
0: Well, I definitely know that as we were watching that Georgia game, you know, it was close early, right before they kind of pulled away. I just, um, I, I really hope that we see something like your score. Uh, I, I'm afraid that you know they they also run the same type of offense as more and more teams are doing. Um, I, I'm going to throttle back and and say I see something frustrating like a 31 to 17 or 31 to 14 type of ball game.
1: Yeah, that'd be frustrating. Uh, You know, I think the defense is, is going to look okay. Um, you know, the offense and maybe I'm being aggressive, you know, with 42 points because that, you know, that, that suggests some, some sort of continuity, some sort of personality emerging. So, you know, maybe I'm just hopeful that, uh, that we see, see, we see something in in that regard. I think the defense is only going to continue to get better. Uh, and, You know, it's easy to pick on a couple of the plays that the defense made because, I mean, there were two sort of handcrafted uh, uh, plays there. Neither of them should have happened. They both did. And so I think that's going to put a a spur under the saddle of the defense. I think this defense is is really about to get salty. Um, And, you know, (laughs) they're going to be a little bit pissed off at the offense because the offense has got to get it together.
0: Oh sure, and and let me just let me just say real quick to give the ball to the to Old Miss five times inside the thirty one. Um, you know, it wasn't my initial reaction, but going back and and really thinking about the game, you can't really hold this against the defense at all. Not at all, given what they were put through.
1: No, which feels funny saying that when the when you know Ole Miss scores forty three points, but it's hard to say. He allowed forty-three points, and the defense played well. I mean, those two things don't go together, but, but here they do.
0: No, it's kind of like Alabama running offense, hundred offensive plays at the century mark as well. So there's
1: not, there's not a damn thing about this game that makes sense. There's just not.
0: Well, I just hope that I hope that they keep their heads up. Uh, they realize anything could happen. I'm surprised at how far we fell. Uh, I don't know if we've been out of the top ten in quite a while. Um. It'll be interesting to see how they respond from here.
1: Well, I hope, I hope they're I, I hope that, I hope it makes them mad. I hope it makes them a little bit embarrassed. And I hope that uh, it causes them to double down because the talent that's on this team, I still put it up against anybody. Uh, I really do. We just need, we just need to, we just need to come together. This, this team just needs to come together because I still think, I still think there's some upside here, but uh you know, I, I've just – at this point in the season, some of the questions that we're seeing are just very concerning.
0: Well, I will also say very quickly before we flip the page on Ole Miss, I thought it was a little bit overdone to move them to number three. So, that's a whole nother topic, but I'm surprised they moved up quite as – I'm yeah, surprised they moved up quite as much as they did.
1: Yeah, and that's fine. And it's, you know, it's not like – it's not unlike we've seen other teams, uh, especially those from Mississippi. They can't handle the weight. Uh, of that, and you kind of joke that you know they they may lose by three touchdowns next week, and and uh, you know because the, the, you know they may not they may not do well under under the weight of that, and so we'll see we'll see how that plays. It's still there's still some time, but uh, you know I wouldn't be surprised if uh, whatever the rankings are now, if there's not if if we just don't do a a, revolse, a reversal of that before the season's out.
0: Well, I hope you're, you're correct, man. I am definitely looking forward to uh, turning the page and throwing this video in the garbage can.
1: Very good. Let's do it. Hey, this has been another edition of the Alabama Football Pod- Podcast powered by Bama Hammer. Roll Tide. Thanks for listening to the Alabama Football Podcast. We love that you're tuned in and hope that you enjoyed the show. We encourage you to reach out and let us know what you like, where we can improve, or just to shout out a Roll Tide. We are where you are iTunes, Facebook, Twitter, email newsletters, T-shirts, free roster downloads, and, of course, on the web at alabamafootballpodcast.com. Check us out where you'll find easy links to your favorite way to follow the tie. Got that, Coach? Of course. Roll Tide.